Welcome to It's Your Business Leader podcast. It's your business. Lead it. You need to deliver performance to your organization now. To do this, you need to ensure process efficiency, product quality, and employee engagement. What happens when you don't have this? Underperformance. If you're tired of getting excuses and not results, if you're tired of mediocre employees talking to me in game, but not backing it up with action, you're in the right place. My name is Ron Hurst, a leader with over 30 years of real-world operational experience backed by the best of engineering and developmental psychology, and my goal is simple. I want to help you achieve the performance your business is capable of. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It's Your Business Lead podcast. My name is Ron Hurst. In today's episode, Bright Shiny Objects, How to Deal with a Manager who falls victim to the bright, shiny object syndrome. This cast is actually brought to you by one of my current students in one of my my technical training programs named Debbie. I'm not going to say her last name, but Debbie, you know who you are. Thank you for this amazing idea for a cast. I really appreciate it. So the bright, shiny objects, what are we talking about? I think we've all dealt with a manager who operates from the methodology of the flavor of the month or hey, wait a minute, the priorities are going to change anyway, so why do we need to buy in? The challenge for many employees who operate in environments where they work for a manager who seems to change their priorities like they change their underwear, this can get incredibly frustrating. And it doesn't mean that the employees are change-averse. It doesn't mean that they're they're not committed to the, the goals of the organization. It just means that they sometimes get exhausted from all the changes in direction. There are two ways I want to take this this topic apart. First, don't be this person. Second, how to deal with this person. Okay, so let's dig in. You don't want to be this person that's changing priorities on a regular basis. That is the epitome of the flavor of the month manager. It just drives employees nuts. It will drive your your most change-friendly employees nuts, let alone the ones that struggle to follow you through a change process. So just bear in mind the implications of being this kind of manager. And I think if you really consider it, I think every one of us has worked for this kind of manager at some point in our career, and it's exhausting. Why is it that a manager might get into this place? How do we get there? The first answer that comes to my mind is that they really don't have a sense of vision or of purpose of where they're trying to take their department. They moved into management, and they are the epitome of a good manager that's moved the ball forward inch by inch, get the processes humming right, and and deliver the results that their manager is asking for for them. But they really, I think that in this case, some managers have not really embraced the leadership skill set. And I think anyone, when you think of leadership, you think of vision, like looking into the future. Where are you trying to take things? If you don't have a clear sense of a vision where you want to go, you're missing the point of what it means to run a team, a department, a division, a company. You really got to get that you have to have a picture of a better future. People get a great sense of hope of being part of something bigger than themselves. And when we don't have a vision, it really comes down to just doing the work day after day after day. 
And while some employees are okay with that, for the most part, most of us want to have a sense of a hope of a better future. A vision gives us that. At least we have something that we can look at, hold on to, and say, yeah, I want that. I want to go with him. I want to go with her. So not having a clear sense of a vision or a purpose of where you're trying to get to, I think is the first reason why managers operate from this bright, shiny object factor or this this flavor of the month thing that drives employees crazy. The second and more deep reason that comes to my mind of why managers sometimes operate from here is that they're searching for answers to a question externally. And it's a question that can only be answered from within, internally. And one of the things that I think is really critical for successful leadership is that we develop a sense of resourcefulness, that we have an ability to find new solutions to old problems, that we look at situations and we find ways to work through it. We're resourceful. We're not hampered. We're not shut down when when adversity and challenge comes. No, we get up and we try and find a way through. And in the same vein of resourceful is the idea of resilient. So we get knocked back, we get knocked down, we get right back up. And then we we leverage our resourcefulness to find another solution to the problem. So we need to be resourceful. We need to be resilient. And let me just take a step back. So sometimes when people are looking externally for a problem that can only be solved internally, you might think that I'm standing here saying that it's bad to look outside. And I'm like, no, man, I'm all about learning. Look, it's good to build competence in areas where you don't have it. Good to build your skills. It's good to test ideas through experience. That's exactly what we should be doing. In fact, we should be doing that all the time. And, and, and it's even better to practice introspection and reflection. We've got to develop our internal life, guys. The internal life that allows us to gain value from the experiences that we already have. We don't look externally all the time for a solution to a problem. I guarantee you that you are far more resourceful, far more resilient than you've given yourself credit for. And if you just had a process to make sense of your experience, you will find that you already have the tools necessary. You don't need to look for the silver bullet off in the distance to solve all your problems, the bright, shiny object that's going to be the the answer to all your dreams. You don't have to do that. Just look internally and ask yourself, where am I trying to get to? And with that in mind, I want to offer you a series of questions that I think would be really helpful for you to stop and reflect on. Now, in order to reflect on these, you really got to either shut your door and shut shut off your cell phone, shut, put your, your office phone to to forward to voicemail, turn off all the bells and dingers on your on your computer. Just get quiet, get all of the distractions away, and then really reflect in and, and chew on these questions that I'm going to offer you. And if you can't do it in your office, then get in your car and turn your cell phone off for a little while, turn the radio off and do the same thing. Whether you're driving or not, I don't care. Just find some time to be quiet with each of these questions. The first and most obvious question is, where do I want to take my team or my department, my division, my company? Where am I trying to get to in the next three to five years? First time you ask this question, you're not going to have a clue. And that's fine. But we want to ask that question in the presence of our subconscious. Because when we ask this question from a place of quiet and focus, 
you will get answers. You will get incredible answers. And if you just start writing some of them down, you will start to form a picture of a better future. A related question to this one is, how will I know when we have arrived? What does it look like? What are some of the signs that would say we've gotten there from here? And now, one of the most powerful questions. What are the likely challenges that will emerge along the way if I go down this path? This is a really cool question because here's the thing. When challenges emerge, they often surprise us. And when we're surprised by a challenge, we're not doing our best thinking when we react to them. But if you're able to anticipate the challenges that may come and you think through what that challenge means and how you would approach it if it does come, then when it hits you, you're not surprised by it. You just look at it and chuckle and go, I got this. And you can be remarkably resourceful and resilient in that moment when when that occurs. So what challenges are likely to emerge? A related question, what skills and competencies will we need to overcome these challenges? And this is really key because it's one thing to have a plan, but if you don't have the skill to overcome, uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. So once you identify what skills and competencies you need, now you can build a training plan. You can build a development plan. As we've talked about in the Developing Leaders cast over the last few weeks, now we can start to put, put some traction to the problems. Another question, where do I need to grow in support of where we are going? Now, this might mean that you need to expand your skill set as a leader. You need to expand your ability to think conceptually, to think strategically, to think about vision and about systems and processes. And if you need that, that's good to recognize because now's the time to go after it. I mean, remember, the best time to, to plant a shade tree is 20 years ago. The second best time, now. In fact, now is the only time you got, so use it wisely. Where does the team need to grow in support of where we're going? This gets at, again, the development plan and the, the training needs that you need to get after. And how can I slash we learn these skills? Go back to the, the previous two casts. It breaks down all the different ways that we can learn. Another really important question. How can I weave new opportunities and challenges into the narrative of where we're headed? What do I mean by this? What I want you to get is your employees are looking at you. And if you look like you're playing the bright, shiny object game, they will struggle to follow you. But if you're intentional and you say, this is where we're going and there are going to be challenges along the way. But now you can weave the narrative and say, look, we're facing this challenge and here's how it relates to the journey we're on. And we're going to learn these skills as we go through this challenge so that we're more prepared when we get to the destination. If you can do that, now all of a sudden it's not a bright, shiny object. It's a challenge worthy of overcoming, worthy of working through, worthy of building the team into something more powerful. So it's really the key, if you are the leader, to overcoming the bright, shiny object syndrome is to weave the challenges, the learnings, the new opportunities into the narrative, into the arc of where you're trying to get to, rather than just oh, now we got to do this. Oh, now we got to do that. No, you're not a hamster on a hamster wheel. You are a leader taking people on a journey, on a mythical quest towards some worthy goal. And if you look at it like that, all the language changes. Okay, so that's what to do if you're the person that suffers from bright, shiny object syndrome. 
What if you work for one? What do we do now? Well, sorry, to some extent we all do because priorities change, stuff happens, and not everybody in a leadership role understands leadership. My best advice to you, if you're stuck in a place where you work for somebody who seems to be a bright, shiny object syndrome leader, is to practice at a very deep and humble level the model of servant leadership. What do we do? One of the the most practical things that you can do is document your supervisor's expectations and priorities for you in your role. And why do we do this? You want to have a written document or a, a typed document that you both agree to that these are the priorities I'm to work on. And once that's agreed upon, now anytime a bright, shiny object hits and they want to change your priorities. Oh, look, let's go over here. Oh, look, let's deal with that problem. Oh, no, there's a crisis over here. Now you can negotiate your priority list and say, help me understand how that fits in because you've got me working on all these things and I want to make sure that I handle this. So yes, I want to handle it and help me understand how to deal with this. Now catch what I did. Yes, and remember the previous cast on influence. Okay. So you're going to negotiate your priority list to make sure that your leader is working with you as opposed to just cluelessly dumping stuff on you. I also want you to learn how to gently inquire of them. Where do they plan to take your team, your department, your division, etc.? Do it from a place of curiosity and caring. If you can do this, you help them start to, to think through the vision of where they want to go. Ultimately, you want to help them get to a place where they do have a vision of where they want to go in three to five years. Just be really careful. This is about curiosity. It's about having a, a, a gentle conversation. It's not about being abrupt. It's not about being in their face. It's not about being assertive. It's about gently nudging them toward a better future. Slowly, through the use of affirmation, careful listening, and inquiry, Gain a picture of where they want to go. Help them build the picture without helping them build it. And what I mean by this is reflect back to them their answers to your questions. So I'm curious where you want to take this department, boss. What do you mean? Well, where do you see us in three to five years? I'm curious how I can support you and where you want to go. It's all about gentle inquiry, nudging them to start to articulate and build a picture of a better future. I think you'll find that if you start down this road, and when do you do it? Um, Here's when not to do it, when they're stressed. Here's when to do it, in your one-on-one meetings with them. Are you not doing one-on-one meetings? Okay, sorry. Again, find a way to find moments to ask them questions like this. And the best way to do that is to set meetings with them where you can talk about your progress, talk about your priorities. And once you've got clarity on that, Then you can say, hey, can I talk to you a little bit about the future? Where are you trying to get us to? I'd really like to know how I can support you. That is another moment that will work. So if you do these things, I think you'll find that working for the Bright Shiny Object Syndrome manager is a little less stressful because you will actually help them build a picture of what the future might look like. Okay, so that's it for this cast. In our Who Does What by When, I want to challenge you, if you're in a leadership position, to think about the last time, and I hope it wasn't earlier today, but I want you to think about the last time you dumped some new bright, shiny object, new project, new priority, new initiative 
onto your employees. How did you approach it? Do an after action review on that particular event. So after action review, simply what happened, what caused it, and what can I do better next time? I want you to go through that process and then join us on our mentoring leaders group on LinkedIn and share your experience. Love to hear from you. And that's it for now. We'll see you on the next cast. All right, everyone. Now you have your action items. I'm excited to hear from you on how what you learned today works for you. Be sure to connect with me at www.developingleadersinc.com and brief us on how the action items work for you. If you need immediate support, schedule a strategy call with me and let's build a plan together on how to get you the results you need. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next episode, get out there and lead your business.